would take my place That you would bear my cross You would lay down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me all that you've done for me all that you've done for us Jesus all that you've done for us make it personal with you and him tonight just tell him of his goodness in your life just declare of his goodness thank you Jesus we thank you Father I thank you I thank you I thank you that you saved me I thank you that you rescued me you rescued So many years ago, a sad, hurting 17 year old kid, you rescued me. From the pit of despair, you rescued me. And you set my feet upon your rock, and I'm forever changed. By the goodness of God This is amazing grace Just one more time This is unfailing love That you would take my place Bear my cross And you would bear my cross you laid down your life <laughs> That I would be set free yeah. Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I sing for All that you've done for me and All my life you have been faithful Come on, sir.
down chorus. Two, three, four. Intro, two, three, four. Verse, two, three, four. A thousand generations falling down in words. 
two, three, four.
Jesus, tonight we declare you are the Holy One. We love you, our King, our Savior, our Lord. We give you all the glory and honor in this house tonight. And we welcome you, Spirit of grace, to teach us what we do not see. Open our eyes in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, greet someone as you go down. I understand a lot of you uh, purchased a lot of these wonderful materials, and there's not a lot left. So if you haven't, you know, got any of his books, you need to. I've got a library full of the books, all the books he's written through the years, and you're not going to find a a finer teacher. Amen. Amen. And he's a straight shooter, and that's why I love him. Amen. Apostle Mike Keys. Give him a hand. see me? Yes, I hear me. Okay. Well, how many love Jesus? Try that again. How many really love Jesus? That's what I want to hear. That's right. It's like when we do the drills in in the military camps. You know, we make our points and uh, we make sure they understand what we're saying. We'll tell them, you know, hooah. And then they reply, hooah. Amen. That's what we do back then. Praise the Lord. So maybe we'll do a little bit of that later on. One never knows. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody have a good afternoon. Praise the Lord. I did. We did. And, you know, once again, we're one day closer to seeing Jesus. One day closer. I'm excited. Praise the Lord. And I'm also excited for what we're going to do here tonight. I have a, an attitude of expectation about it, and I know that God's going to bless the people the way he wants to bless the people, our people. Praise the Lord. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 8. We're going to talk about John chapter 10, not 8, sorry. The 10th chapter of the Gospel of John. During our Lord's public ministry, everywhere he went to teach, he would get into these religious arguments. He was not arguing, but they wanted to argue. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Jewish leaders, they, they, they did not understand him. Because, first of all, he spoke a language called the language of faith. I wrote a book about that. The way he talked, they had never heard a person talk like this. And they were constantly confused, and they didn't understand who he was, even though he kept telling them who he was. And in the John chapter 10, there's an example of this. He's talking to them, and he's, you know, uh, the way he's talking, again, is just something they've never heard before. And like I said earlier today, when the temple officers sent 
I'm sorry, when the Pharisees sent the temple officers to arrest him, they came back without Jesus. And the Pharisees asked and said, well, where is he? We told you to go arrest him. And the answer came back, well, listen, no man speaks like this man. We've never heard a man talk like this. Not only did we not arrest him, but we signed up on his mailing list. We're going to get all of his CDs and books and whatever. You know what I mean? No man talks like this. Anyway, this is one of these examples. Look with me at verse number 31. We'll pick up in the middle of this exchange. If you read the previous verses, they get into this, this discussion, this back and forth. They go, they don't understand him. They don't understand what he's saying. They think he's blaspheming. So it says in verse number 31, Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. This was not the first time they wanted to kill him because of what they thought he was doing. He was blaspheming God by things he said. So verse number 32, Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. Now the works he's referring to would be the miracles. Like I said earlier today, he did this all day long, seven days a week for three and a half years. The books of the world couldn't contain all the miracles that this man, our Lord, was used to uh, produce. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answers in verse 33. The Jews answered and said, for a good work we don't stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answers in verse 34, is it not written in your law? Now he's referring to the Mosaic law. I said, you are gods, question mark. If he called them gods, and the he refers to God the Father, Elohim here, Jehovah. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you're blaspheming because I said, I am a son of God or I am the son of God? Verse 37. If I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you don't believe me, believe the works. That you may know and believe that the father is in me and I am in him. Then verse 39. Therefore they, they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. This was not his time to go and so he left. And we'll talk about that maybe later during the the course of this message. My point to you right now is this. When he was uh, being uh, attacked for claiming to be the son of God, that's what they were saying. You're blaspheming. You're not the son of God. And he says, I am the son of God. And if you don't believe what I'm telling you, look at the works. The works prove to you that I am who I say that I am. He says, if you don't believe me, believe the works. The works. Churches are built on works. Churches are built on the miracles, the lives changed, the bodies healed, the marriages restored, the families put back together. This is what builds churches. This is what people are looking for. It's not just a message. If it's just a message, then anybody can do this. But the people that are commissioned by God to share a word from the word, from the Bible, the word of God, to share a word from the Bible, there has to be something to confirm it. Mark chapter 16 says that when Jesus sent the disciples out, they went out and he confirmed the word. They were confirming. The words were confirmed with the works, with the miracles. Okay? 
This church has to be a place of miracles. This place has to be a place where the works of God are manifest, not just the message. If it's just the message, then, you know, we're, we're like any other social club, really, just with a good message. But these messages here need to be confirmed with the miracle power to let people know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. Okay, he's not gone back to heaven and retired. Okay, he's still active. You know, Revelation says he walks with, amongst the lampstands in the first three verses of Revelation. First three chapters, I should say. Meaning to say those lampstands represent the churches. He is very much interested in each and every church. He's very much interested in walking in the midst of this church. He wants to know what's going on. He is very much into what's going on here. Okay, and because you're here, he's very much interested in what's going on in your life. Okay? What I want you to see, first off, before we get into something else here, where I knew I know I need to go, is that you are more than what you think you are. You are how God sees you. We see ourselves differently. We see ourselves the way the world sees us. And we buy into that. And it's a, it's a tragedy. Because we operate far below design capacity. Okay? We're like a Lamborghini sports car running on one cylinder. There could be so much more here. The miracles, the power, the confirmation could come through all of us here tonight. You don't have to go to Bible school to get this. You don't have to be a, a graduate of somebody's XYZ Bible school with a bunch of initials after your name. The people Jesus picked were just common blue-collar fishermen, tax collectors, blue-collar assembly line people. They were not, you know, institutes, you know, graduates of the Institute of Jerusalem Theology, Galilee Bible Tech, or whatever this. These were just people pulled aside, pulled yanked right out of whatever they're doing, fishing and tax collecting and all of this, and he made them into what they were, and they changed the world. Is it not written in your law? I said, you are God's. He's quoting from Psalms 82. Turn with me to Psalms 82. He's quoting from the Old Testament. He says, is it not written in your law? So let's go to where the law says this. Psalms 82. This is, this was Jesus. This was his defense. It's a short Psalm. So we'll read the whole thing and then we're going to come back and take a closer look. So he used Psalms 82 to justify the fact that he's claiming to be the Son of God and he's claiming that the works he does prove that he's the Son of God. Okay, and he's quoting this psalm to support his contention that he is who he says he is when he's got people looking at him to stone him for the blasphemous declaration, he's a child of God, son of God, how dare you say such things. Psalms 82 verse 1, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. Verse 2. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Verse 3. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and to the needy. Deliver the poor and the needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. 5. They don't know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. Verse 6. I said... You are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Verse 8, Arise, O God, and judge the earth, 
for you shall inherit all nations. Okay, verse 8 has not yet happened. He has not yet arisen to judge the earth. And Jesus has not yet inherited all nations in the sense that he is still in heaven and the nations still have free reign to do what they're planning to do and doing. That has not yet been accomplished because the first seven verses are still in play. Okay? And this is the psalm that he used to defend his miracle ministry. Now I'm going to go back and take a look at this with you because this is, we're going to go somewhere where most Christians fear to tread. Okay, we're going to talk about some things tonight that most Christians have a hard time with. And just like they were uh, accusing Jesus of blasphemy, you're going to find people that read and listen to this and they're going to react the same way. This is nothing new. Okay, but this is where we need to go. In these last days, this is the message that we need to embrace. This is what's going to save whoever wants to be saved in the last days. Because uh, if you think it's bad now, hide and watch. It is going to get so much worse should Jesus tarry, okay? The seven years of tribulation are described as the worst time in human history. The first three years are horrible. The second half, called the Great Tribulation, is beyond description. It will be so horrible, okay? And you're seeing the seeds of it now. You're seeing the seeds of it. They're already planted and the things are starting to come up. All of this garbage about trans this and trans that. The perversion, the filth that's being put out and shoved up people's, you know, uh, in, in their face. And you know what I'm saying? It's just rammed, jammed, and crammed into our lives. Okay? They are trying their best to just absolutely pollute this earth with all of the garbage that the devil can heap upon humanity. That's what's going on. This world desperately needs to see the real deal. And I'm not talking about just a bunch of churches with a fancy sounding name out front. I'm talking about people who inside that church turn their communities upside down. People that the ungodly fear to tread against. That's where we're going. Okay. Jesus quotes this verse, this psalm. God stands... In a particular congregation. I want you to notice he stands in a particular congregation. It's not the assemblies of God. It's not four square gospel. It's not harvest church. It's not the Methodists, the Lutherans, the Baptists, or any other ist out there. It's a congregation of the mighty. That is the one and only congregation he stands in the midst of. That's the one that you need to be ordained with. That's the one you need to be a part of. You can put all kinds of names on the signboard out front, but at the end of the day, God could care less. It's this congregation he stands in the midst of. He is intimately involved with these people. He judges among the gods. G-O-D-S, small g. Okay? Now, we'll get back to that. He he answers his own. He defines it later in the psalm. But before we get there, verse 2. How long will you judge unjustly? And show partiality to the wicked. This is what's going on on the earth right now. People are crying out. Where are you? With all of this going on. Where are you God? You're, you, you, you say you love me. You say this. You say that. But what we, what we see. You know. You're showing partiality to the wicked. They're getting away with things. As I mentioned to you earlier today. Okay. I need to step back. Because it just makes me so angry. When I see what's going on. And how people who are supposed to be, you know, protectors of a government that was raised by God. Basically, they're treasonous. In my opinion, they should be jailed for treason and executed. 
It's what I think. What's going on in Washington, D.C. or wherever. Take your pick. State capitals, local capitals, whatever is going on. These people are traitors and they are guilty of treason. And in my opinion, they should be arrested and thrown in jail for the rest of their lives or executed. Shot at sunrise. Verse 3. Now, here's what goes on. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and to the needy. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Deliver the poor and the needy. This is the work of the body of Christ. Defending the poor and the fatherless. Doing justice to the afflicted and to the needy. Delivering the poor and the needy. Freeing them from the hand of the wicked. That's the job of the church. Because of verse 5. Because the people were trying to help, they don't know. They don't understand. They walk about in darkness and all the foundations of the earth are unstable. This is the world in which we live. People full of darkness. They don't understand what's going on. They don't know what's happening. They're one heart attack away from hell. They're one car crash away from hell. Like I said earlier today, the bicyclist that went out to train for the race and hit the car and snapped his neck and died. Now, either he's in heaven or hell. I don't know, but he's in either or place. And wherever he is, he's there forever. And when he woke up that day to train for that race, he didn't anticipate being either in heaven or hell by the time noon came around. But wherever he is, he's there forever. And I hope he was a born-again man. But I can't say. It's none of my business. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. Man, if there was ever a verse that describes the world today, there it is. The foundations of the earth are unstable. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And that's exactly what they're doing. Okay? So, I said, verse 6, I is God. God's talking. I said, you are gods. G-O-D-S, plural. Now, just to be sure, God wants the reader to know who he's talking about. Look at the second part of verse 6. And all of you, the ones I'm calling gods, G-O-D-S, are who? Children of the Most High. Anybody here born again? He's talking about you and me. And everybody claiming to be, and in reality, they may be children of God. That's how God sees us. Now, that's not how God, that's not how we see ourselves. But this is how, this is the potential he sees in every Christian. Okay? Now, are we divine? Of course not. We are created. We're not the creator, we're the created. But he made us a little bit lower than the Godhead. Go read the the verses in Hebrews. Initially, this is where we were. One just step below God himself. Adam, in all of his brilliance, before sin, was just a little bit lower than the Godhead. That's exactly what the Bible tells us about him and Eve before sin entered the picture. When we say we've fallen, honey, we have fallen a long way because of sin. But you know what? Verse 7, here's what happens when you don't embrace how God thinks about us. You shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. In other words, you're just like everybody else. What a tragedy. That's the tragedy. Okay? Church is full of people, full of people who are born again and in our circles even spirit-filled, living below design capacity, accepting less than what Jesus died to provide. And when Jesus was put on the carpet, for the miracle ministry that he was performing, this is the verses, this is the psalm and the verses he quoted. We just read it. Are you, did, does not the law, he's talking to the Pharisees, doesn't the law say to you, I said you are gods? He's quoting from this psalm to justify the miracles that he's doing. My point to you is this, we need to raise the bar. 
mentally. Are you listening? You need to raise the bar mentally in your life. Well, I'm just a, never mind that I'm just a, okay? You are something powerful, something world changing, something that you can turn your world upside down if you embrace and allow the Holy Spirit to be great in you the way he wants to. And I'm on my journey. How about you? Because if you talk this way, most churches will throw you out on your ear. They can't handle this. This is not milk. This is meat. Okay? Meat. And if you're ever going to get somewhere in your life for Jesus, you're going to have to get off the milk and start eating the meat of the Word of God. This is why the disciples for three and a half years did not understand a word he said. They kept pulling him aside saying, would you please explain this parable? What in the world are you talking about? This went on for three and a half years. They could not follow him because he was, he raised his game. His, his game was at a level they had never seen before. Okay? And it, it took the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and then the infilling of the Holy Spirit to put them on a, a plateau where they could actually go out and do what he said. You could always do this. I said you are gods. And all of you that I'm calling gods, G-O-D-S, we're not divine. Please mis- don't misunderstand what's being said here. All of you are children of the Most High. But you shall die like men. You'll act like, think like, talk like normal everyday people and that's what you see in the body of christ most of the most of the time okay you don't have to go to someone's school somewhere to get qualified for this how many are born again you have the holy spirit living inside of you the third person of the trinity lives in you there's a throne in heaven for god the father there's a throne for god his son where's the throne for the holy ghost this is us this is his throne this is where he resides and abides this is his throne here for all of us. Okay, that's his throne. And he's the power of the Godhead. Okay, the Holy Spirit. We don't spend enough time talking about and thinking about the Holy Ghost, but thank God he's here. Amen. He is here tonight. Angels are here. Praise God. I'm talking about when people gather together and sing the songs we sang. I mean, they are clapping and heaven's clapping and everybody's clapping. Praise the Lord. And the devil's crying. Because he knows if these people ever get a hold of what's going on down here, as they say in the cowboy world, you can ship his saddle home. The rodeo is over. The only congregation God stands in the midst of is this one. The one that understands who they are and lives accordingly. Talks like this. Acts like this. Remember earlier today we talked about the four ways you cross that lake. The way you think. The way you look, what you see, what you say, and what you do. Those four areas define you crossing that lake, the lake of life. And if you're going to get to the other side, these are the things you have to pay attention to in your life. Okay? So, seven prerequisites for joining and maintaining membership in this congregation. Let me give them to you tonight. Seven prerequisites. Okay? Every one of them is a message unto itself. We could spend hours on each of these, but we don't need to. You get with the Holy Ghost and let him flesh it out for you, okay? But just like every church has membership, are you a member of the Baptist church? Are you a member of the Methodist church? Are you a member of the Catholic church? Well, there is a membership requirement for this congregation too. You don't just get in because you're born again. You qualify for this. And this is what we're going to do here tonight. Number one. Things you, and all of it deals with what you manage. You manage your life. How do you do this? Number one, 
You manage your emotions. Manage your emotions. Okay, there's a time to be angry. There's a time to back off. There's a time to speak and a time to shut up. There's a time to weep and a time to rejoice. You know, Ecclesiastes talks about this in chapter 3. There's a lot of time for this and a time for that over there. For us tonight, first of all, manage your emotions. And when I say manage your emotions, be passionate for the things of God. Not just, oh, wow, this is nice. Be passionate for the things of God. Love the Lord. Love coming to church. Don't miss church because you just don't feel like it today. You wouldn't miss church because you expect the Holy Ghost to show up every time you show up at church. You may, you know, listen, look, look with me at Revelation 3. Let me show you an example of how Jesus thinks about this. Revelation chapter 3, verse 16. In Revelations chapters 2 and 3, seven churches are addressed. Okay? Seven churches. Now, those seven churches represent churches across the board for all time. Okay? And this particular church, the one, you know, the church at Laodicea, it's called the lukewarm church. And here's why. Verse 14. To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write... These things says the Almighty, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Verse 15. I know your works. Once again, we're talking about works. That you are neither cold nor hot. I wish, or I, you could say I prefer, that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's not a pretty picture. And I don't plan to be vomited out of my Lord's mouth for the sin of lukewarmness. Okay? Which is why most churches don't want me speaking in their pulpit because we preach on these things. And they don't want to hear it. Okay? It's too hard. It's too in your face. I mean, I've heard it all. Okay, we, we can't handle that. Well, you know, go somewhere and disappear. Just go away. Get out, get out of our way. Just go somewhere and be nothing. You know, if you want to be nothing, say nothing, do nothing, and then be nothing. I want, I don't ever want Jesus to say this about me. What happened to you? Where'd you turn to? What happened to you? I don't ever want to hear that. Okay? Throw me out of my ear if you must, but I will be preaching until Jesus comes and this is what I'm going to be preaching because I have a revelation of heaven and hell and I'm telling you forever is a long time. Like I said earlier today, what is actually at stake here? Okay, there's no do-overs. No do-overs. This is our life. This is our one-time shot. You better make the most of it. You can't go back. You can't say, you know, sorry, Jesus, and then we get to be born and go again. Now, that doesn't work that way. Okay? Because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Okay? Churches are full of lukewarm people. Okay? Full of them. Okay? Pastors are just, they're not pastors, they're referees. They're just referees. Striped shirt and a whistle. They should have that in the pulpit every Sunday. Because that's all they're doing. Just managing all the issues from all the babies in the church that never grow up. 
I would rather pastor a church of five people that know what the hell is going on than to pastor a church of 500 people who haven't got a clue. Because all I'll be doing for the rest of my life is counseling with people who don't know which end is up. Are you listening? Give me five who know where we're going and we can change the world. Amen. There's more in this room. There's more potential in this room right now. We could change the world with what's in this building right now tonight. You know, all of Asia Minor was turned upside down in two years by 12 men. Read it in the book of Acts. 12 men, and they didn't have technology, and they didn't have tablets, and they didn't have social media, and they didn't have Facebook. They had nothing but the spoken word and the feet to travel to the places they went, and they turned Asia Minor upside down. Everybody heard the word in two years. Why? Because these people were sold out to this. Okay? Manage your emotions. If you want to become emotional, be emotional for the things of God. You want to get angry? Get angry about the things that violate the principles in the Word of God. Amen. Yeah, get angry. Get angry at the devil. We get angry at each other. That's what we're doing. We're fighting with each other. I've had, I've seen churches split over donuts. I'm sorry. But I gotta go, I gotta tread on dangerous territory here. And you know, listen, for me, I, I hope there's donut shops in heaven. I'll tell you for a fact, you know, give me a dozen. I mean, I love them, but praise the Lord. I've seen, I don't praise the Lord. I've seen churches split because of donuts. Not kidding. Can you imagine attempting to stand before the Lord someday and trying to justify what happened at that church? My, my, my. Manage your emotions. Be passionate for the Lord. Don't be lukewarm. Don't just try to get by. My God in heaven, he is trusting us with the word of God. What an honor to be the official ambassador for Christ. You understand we're called ambassadors for heaven? That's an official representative of heaven that we represent God and Jesus and the Holy Ghost. What an honor. Every time I come to a church like this, I'm thanking the Lord on my way over. Thank you for the honor you've given me and the privilege to stand before your people and share a message that, in theory at least, is going to turn their life around or get them back on the straight and narrow or get them lit for the fire of God. What an honor it is to do these things. Amen? Praise the Lord. Manage your emotions. Number two, very important, manage your weaknesses. Everybody has them. You do, I do, we all do. Now, the things you struggle with might not be the things I struggle with. Because we're all individual people, okay? So that's why we can't judge each other. You leave that with God. Okay, we judge sin. We judge false doctrine. That's scriptural. You don't judge another person because you're not qualified. You don't know what's going on in their life. You can't see into their heart. All right? That's the problem. We try to judge each other. We're not the judge. He's the judge. Okay? That's why, you know, when Jesse went to the house of Samuel. Samuel went to the house of Jesse to pick the successor to Saul. There were seven sons that were lined up. And, uh, you know, Jesse's thinking, surely it's son number one or son number two because they were described as tall and lean and attractive and whatever. And each time Samuel said, no, it's not this one, it's not this one, it's not this one. And he went through six. And he said, is this it? I'm supp- I know there's some somebody supposed to be here that I'm supposed to anoint. And And Jesse said, yeah, well, there's one more. He's out in the field tending the sheep. Well, bring him in here, because I can't leave until we see everybody. So he went through the six that, you know, Jesse thought were qualified. None of them were. 
And then David showed up, the little ruddy kid, and Samuel, and, and Samuel said, that's the one. He's the one. This little ruddy kid here, the one tending the sheep. Because God sees what you don't see. He sees into your heart. Okay? I have weaknesses in my life, and so do you. And my responsibility in my life is to manage them and control them so they don't control me. And you need to do the same. Okay? Look with me, if you would, at Psalms 18. Psalms 18. Psalms 18, verse number 37. We're talking about the people who want to stand in the congregation of the mighty, and if that's you, these are the things you have to manage in your life. Psalms 18, verse number 37. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. I have wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. There's an attitude here in these two verses. I have pursued my enemies. I've overtaken them and I did not turn back until they were destroyed. I've wounded them so that they could never rise again. They have fallen under my feet. That's how you deal with issues in your life that you know are not right. You are tenacious and you without, without mercy, you go after these things and you shut them down in your life. It's drugs or alcohol or pornography or whatever it is that has a grip on you. You need to go after this and make it your life's main goal to make sure these things never hinder God from moving in your life. Amen. Okay. Everybody's got them. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, we, we have church relationships in Las Vegas, as an example. And many times when I'm in Las Vegas, uh, the host church will put us in, put me in, or me and my wife put us in these big high-rise uh, hotel casinos because, you know, the rates are good and it's a nice room. Okay, well, when you get down to the ground floor, you got to go through the casino to get outside. All the blinking lights and the twinkling this and all of that stuff, okay? And uh, I, it doesn't bother me. Okay, I could care, I could stand in a casino for a hundred years. I'm not tempted to gamble one penny of my money. It just, it's not there for me. But I see all these people lined up on the slot machines, lined up at the, at the roulette tables, lined up playing and losing money and all of, and they can't help themselves. They have a problem with this. Okay, I don't have a problem with this, but they do. Okay, then you go past the bar and there are all those people in there and they can't get away from the bar. They got a problem. I don't have a problem with that, but they do. Okay, but then I may have issues in my life, you know, I may have issues with my temper. I know you can't believe me when I tell you that, but trust me, there are moments when I'm not exactly just like Jesus. Just a little bit less than the Lord at certain times. You know, I can be very uh, impatient with people because I'm driven to excellence. I don't like to be around lukewarm people. I don't like to be around lazy people. I'm commanded to love them, so I must. But love is not like. I don't have to like them, but I do have to love them. And you don't have to love, you don't have to like me either. We're commanded to love, not like. Amen? I've met a lot of Christians I don't like. And I'm sure they've met me and they don't like me either. I frankly don't care. If God likes me, if God loves me after that, who cares? Amen? Praise the Lord. Love always tells the truth. Never forget that. You want to be somebody that God can depend upon? Tell people the truth about life, 
death, heaven, hell, let them know. Now, if they walk away, that's their funeral. It's not your responsibility. But tell them straight up. You're going to go to heaven and you're going to go to hell. Whichever you go, wherever you go, it's your choice. But wherever you go, once you leave your body, your choices have been taken from you. In this life, we have the power of choice. But you step out of your body, you don't have choice anymore. You go where you did make your choices. Okay? So, I've pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back until they were destroyed. Okay, and I've had the Lord tell me over the years, because you're playing patty cake with your flesh, you're not dealing with it the way you should, because you're allowing, you know, uh, ill will, you're allowing, you know, whatever to happen and, and control your emotions, get control of these things. He's talked to me, okay? So, manage your weaknesses, eliminate the high places, all right? There were kings in the Old Testament, some of them were, most of them were bad kings, some of them were good kings, but the only few that were called great kings were the ones who recognized the high places and pulled them down. Okay? Go back and run your references on the high places in the Old Testament. The only kings that were called great were the ones that recognized we cannot tolerate that up there. We cannot let that remain there. The good kings served the Lord, but they let the high places stay there. They didn't tear them up. They didn't tear them down. The great kings said, oh, no, 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 that has to go. That has to go. Okay? Be careful with the things you look at on TV, social media, at the movies. Be very careful about your eye gate and your ear gate and the things that you're allowing yourself to be exposed to. Some would say amen. amen. And I've had God pull me aside and said, There's, that should not be on your TV set. So I've had to make my adjustments. Okay? I'm just being honest with you. Okay? Social media and all of that garbage that's being forced on people, you need to be very careful with your eye gates and your ear gates. Okay? Anyway, we'll move on. Number three, manage your time. There's 24 hours in a day. Everybody has 24 hours. Not someone 22, someone else 26. Everybody's got 24 hours. Okay? It takes time to pray. It takes time to study. It takes time to spend before the Lord. You're spending time here tonight. Okay? There's a clock. Okay, days, weeks, minutes, hours, and so forth, all right? So you have to manage your time because we go to work, we have to earn a living, we have to raise our family. All of the affairs of this life take time. So out of 24 hours, you don't have 24 hours available to spend before the Lord, okay? Because you've got cooking, cleaning, washing, washing the car, cutting the grass, taking the kids to school, Whatever, the affairs of this life. So be very, very careful with the free time that you have after all of this has been done. Because that's the time you need to spend with the Lord. That's why in my life, I try to get these things done early in the morning. First thing in the morning. There's a reason why these people in the Bible rose early in the morning. Why? Because that's the best time to get alone with the Lord. You know, your mind is quiet. The, the day hasn't begun. Okay, now some people are night people. I get that. I'm not a night person in that sense. I need to be with the Lord straight up at the beginning. I need to be with Him at that time. If I don't do that, the day takes over. And before I know it, it's 8 o'clock at night and I'm exhausted. Okay, and I just, I just can't get, get into the prayer closet. My mindset is not right. Okay, so for me, I need to manage my time by making sure in the morning I'm spending time with the Lord. Right then and there. Before I go to work, or whatever, before I go into the office and start doing the work that I do, writing and, 
and you know, contacting the people in the Philippines and answering all of their issues on all that stuff. Okay? Manage your time. Okay, look with me, if you would, at uh, Ephesians 5. Okay, manage the clock. Ephesians 5, verse 15. I wrote a whole book on this, so we don't, you know, all I'll simply say is if you don't have the book called Be Strong, Stay Strong, you can get it online. I'll be happy to ship it out to you. Time management, okay? Be very careful with how you manage the clock. Don't waste time. time. Wasted time is a sin. Because what he says here, look at this, Ephesians 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. That means walk with awareness. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Redeem the time, friends. Okay? Redeem your time each day. Don't be wasting time. Okay? There's all kinds of time wasters. And they're not sins, but they're time stealers. Okay? I give you an example. Sports. There's nothing wrong with sports. I mean, you know, I, I like to follow sports and so on and so forth. But if you're not careful, that can become an idol. Okay? I know I've been around Nebraska people long enough to see the red flags out front during the football season. You understand what I'm saying? You know, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you keep it in its proper place. But if you can't go to church because you need to go to the football game, then there's a problem. When you can't go to church because my team's playing on, on Sunday night, Sunday night football or whatever it is, and I can't go to church, now you got a problem. Now that has become your idol, and God is not your God anymore. That is. Because you're choosing to take your time and waste it watching a game that the people in heaven and hell frankly don't care about. No one cares who wins the World Series this year. Nobody cares who wins the Super Bowl this year. Nobody cares because a zillion years from now, nobody will care at all. Amen? They won't because it doesn't matter. But these are things that take your time. You have to be careful about these things. Manage your time. That's number three. Number four. Manage your choices. Look with me at Mark chapter 5. Manage your choices. And here's an example of this. Mark chapter 5, verse 36. Okay? Mark 5 and 36. This is Jesus out there with the people. It says, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. He permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why do you make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Once again, this is an example of Jesus speaking faith and they can't follow what he's trying to say. And it says in verse 40, as a result of this statement, they were ridiculing him. Now in the Greek, they were not just making fun of him. They were doing so in a derisive, demeaning way. They were laughing at him. They were deriding him, thinking, who do you think you are coming in here with such an insensitive comment? Don't you know this daughter, this girl's been dead for hours? How dare you come in here? And they're laughing at him like that. 
That's how they were ridiculing him. But it says, when he put them all outside, he took the father, the mother, and those who were with him and entered in where the child was lying. He, you know, basically, if we keep reading, he raised her from the dead. Okay? But what I want you to see here is, he put the ridiculers outside. He got rid of all of the critics. He got rid of all the um, the lukewarm people. All those that are questioning him. He put them out. He got rid of them. Manage your choices. You've got to remove doubt and doubters from your life. You have friends that aren't turned on to God? Get rid of them. You got people that are lukewarm? Get rid of them. Love them and love them from a distance. Bye. I'll pray for you and you ever get your act together, let me know. But until you get serious about serving God, you have nothing to add to my life, you need to go. Don't bother text messaging me. Don't bother getting together for a beer. Don't bother because I'm going on with God. And if you can't go with me, you need to leave. And uh, let me tell you, you make that decision, your list of friends is going to shrink considerably. But the ones left will go to hell and back with you. And they're the ones that are your true friends. Amen. Manage your choices. When Jesus was confronted with this unbelief and this ridicule, he put them all out. Get out. Get out. And threw them out. And then went in there and raised this girl from the dead. Okay? Manage your choices. That's number four. Number five. This one is especially precious to me. Look with me at uh, Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. Verse 32. Manage your zeal. Number five. Manage your zealousness. I'm so turned on to the Lord. Well, you got to control that. Just like you got to control your flesh. Your flesh wants to do three things. Eat, sleep, and sin, and eat donuts. You got to control that thing. Okay? Your flesh has to be controlled. Your mind has to be renewed. And your, your spirit born again as it may be, has to also be controlled. And the devil knows that if he cannot take you out with something sinful in the soulish realm or something sinful in the fleshly realm, if he can't get you there, he'll try to take your zealousness and turn it around and use it against you. That happens when people find a lane to run a race for the ministry and it's not the lane that God set for them. Let me say it to you this way. There's a lot of people pastoring churches that are not anointed to pastor churches. There's a lot of people trying to be missionaries, and they're not called to be missionaries. There's a lot of people calling themselves prophets, and they're not prophets. There's a lot of people calling themselves apostles, and they're not. Okay? The point is, you try to run someone else's race, you don't have the grace from God to do it. Okay? That'd be like me trying to sing like, you know, the weirs. Do what they do. That'd be ridiculous. I can sing in the shower. That's about where it ends. Okay, but the point is to do what they do. I don't have the grace for that. Okay, in the Philippines, as an example, there's lots of uh, homeless children. And so orphanages are, it's a big ministry over there. Lots of orphanages and these children need to be cared for and protected. And I've had people tell me from time to time, why don't you start an orphanage? And I'll say, because I'm not called to that. That's not what's, that's not part of my assignment. I recognize the need and I pray and I support the people that do have that calling. I'm not called to, to work with the little children. Right now, there's people ministering to the kids. Thank God for these people. I'm not called for that. The wee ones are not on my radar. 
But someone else has that gift, and praise God for that, because that gives us the chance to be in here and concentrate on the things of God without a bunch of screaming children distracting. Are you listening? Everybody has to find their lane and run their race, their race. If you're not careful, your zealousness will take you places that God never intended for you to go. Proverbs 16, 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. The word better is implied in the second part of the verse. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit better than he who takes a city. Now, the person who takes a city is called a conqueror. I often used to wonder, what does it mean to be more than a conqueror in Romans? It says, we are more than conquerors. And I'm thinking, well, if you conquer, what else can you do? You've conquered. And I asked the Lord, I said, how can I be more than a conqueror? And he said, here it is. If you can control your zealousness, you're not just a conqueror, but you're doing it where I want you to do it. You're not allowing your zealousness to be pulling you away from where you should be. Okay? I am an apostle in the Philippines. I'm not an apostle to the Ukraine. I'm not an apostle to South America. I know where my apostleship is supposed to be manifest. And I've had invitations to go other places, and I go as the Lord leads, but it's not in the same sense. I know where I'm supposed to be planted, okay? And I know that I'm when I'm in the Philippines, orphanages are not on my radar. I know there are people that have them, and I love them, and I pray with them, and I go to the orphanages, and I love the kids, and I support them, but that's not what I'm supposed to do, okay? I rule over my spirit. In At Rhema, we had a class one time. And uh, this this particular instructor, he came in one day. You know, it's it's amazing how these little simple things you are things that just make such an impact in your life. You you never forget them. He came in today and he said, "Today, I'm going to teach you how to be successful in ministry." So I'm sitting there thinking, "Okay, this ought to be good." Now, everybody after me, repeat the word "no." So everybody said, "No." He said, again, no, no, again, no, let me hear you, no, no. We did this for 45 minutes. I never forgot it. Good instructor. He said, if you want to be successful in ministry, you will need to learn to say no to every opportunity that presents itself to you, all with legitimate concerns and legitimate needs, but you need to stay in your lane and run your race and nobody else's. Because if you do, catastrophe and shipwreck will be your result because you'll be outside the grace of God, you'll be outside from under his umbrella of protection, and that's why people go places and nothing ever works for them. Manage your zealousness. Look at Proverbs 25, 28. Proverbs 25 and 28. Proverbs 25, the last verse, just like Proverbs 16. It says, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. If you don't control your spirit, you're defenseless. Back in those days, they built walls around the city to protect the city from the invaders. You had the Jericho walls, the walls of Jericho as an example. 
Okay, they built walls around the city to keep the city protected. But here it says, if you don't control your zealousness, you're like a city without walls. You're defenseless. And the devil will come in and destroy, steal, kill, and destroy. So manage your zealousness. Find your lane and stay there because that's where you're protected by God. Now listen, that doesn't mean you have to be a five-fold ministry gift. It simply means... If you're working a particular job, that might be exactly where God wants you to earn the money to support the church, to support the missionaries, whatever the case may be. You need to find your lane. Not everybody's called into a five-fold ministry. I didn't fill out an application for this. This was God's choice. Okay, I didn't fill out an application to be an apostle. That was his choice. I didn't ask for this. But I'm responsible for what he chose to do. Okay? This couple did not ask to be sent to Norfolk and to pastor for 40 years faithfully, but they've done it. Praise the Lord. Amen. You should send them on a cruise. 40 years. Praise the Lord. Amen. Number six. Dear Jesus, we can spend a year on this one. Manage your mouth. We never may get we might not move on past six. Manage your mouth. The Bible says death and life is in the power of the tongue. Proverbs eighteen twenty one. There, there's no other verse that could say it any better. Death and life is in the power of your tongue. Okay, Jesus made this statement. He said, "By a person's words they are justified, and by a person's words they are condemned." Okay, that places a high premium upon words. And many times, like I've told you before, God pulls me aside and says, would you please shut up? You are grumbling, you're mumbling, and you're not giving me anything to work with. Quit talking about the problem. Quit talking negative. Quit complaining. Instead, turn it around and start saying something that I can work with, and the situation will change. But if you keep mumbling and grumbling, you're just giving the devil free ammunition, and he's going to use it. So don't do that. Manage your mouth. Okay? I'll just mark this down. Mark this down for time. James chapter 3. Read the whole chapter. James chapter 3. Okay? The Bible has a lot to say about the tongue. It's a little fire, the Bible says. And it's like kindling. Words are like kindling. Anybody out there, if you've been a camping, you know that if you want to start the big campfire, you don't start with the big logs. You start with the little twigs. And the pieces of paper, that's called the kindling. That starts the fire going. Okay? Once the kindling is going, then you can start putting larger twigs, larger sticks, and then finally you got the big thick logs and the bonfires rolling the way you want it to. What happened to the kindling? Once the bonfire is raging, the kindling's all gone. You can't even see it. It disappears. This is what the devil does. He gets us starting little forest fires with verbal kindling. And then six months later, when all of hell is raging against us, we have forgotten what we've said that opened the door that led the devil, start the fire that he lit, and the tragedy that's going on in our life because the kindling's all gone. Many times the Lord's told me, when I go to, I go to the Lord, and I say, why isn't, this sin, why isn't this working? Why isn't my confession working? He will say, do you remember what you said seven months ago? During that conversation about that pastor or about that minister or about whatever, do you remember what you said? And I said, no, I don't, to be honest. He said, well, what you said, I remember. Your words are out there and you opened the door to the devil. 
That's why the hell you're going through now, you created this mess seven months ago by criticizing somebody else. You're not that person's judge. I'm that person's judge. Who are you to judge them? Is this resonating with anybody? When you start talking about other people, you're in dangerous territory there. You're in dangerous territory. You're not the judge. I'm not the judge. Okay? And I've opened the door to the devil with this. And I've learned, keep your mouth closed. Amen. Manage your mouth. I have learned over the years. I've been around some great people of God. I could name names. I mean, I've been around some people, and I've listened, and I watch. I was at Rama for nine months. I sat under Kenneth Hagan, Oral Roberts, um, Norval Hayes, um, I mean, the who's who of the faith movement back in the 70s and 80s. They were my instructors. And I sat there, and I listened, and I took notes. And I've been around some of them personally afterwards in ministry. And these people, there's one common denominator among all of them, and that is they are very economical with their words. They don't talk much. They don't talk much. You try to inv- you try to generate conversation, they won't they won't engage. Until you start talking about the things of God, then they can't shut up. Man, they'll talk about the things of God all day long. But you want to talk about who's going to win the Super Bowl? They don't care. Who's going to win the the World Series? They don't care. It's not on their radar. It's not interested. Okay, I've learned some things from these people. They carry an anointing in their life, and this is the reason why. Okay. Be very economical with your words. That's number six. And number seven, manage your heart. Learn to love God, to love him like he needs to be and wants to be loved. He deserves it. Okay? See the best in people like God does. He doesn't see the worst in people. He sees the best. Peter is the classic example. Here's the guy that lied and said he didn't know Jesus three times an hour or two after he declared in the presence of everybody Lord I'll die for you I'll die for you what do you mean what do you mean we'll deny you etc you know I'll, I'll 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 give my life for you and Jesus said oh really I got news for you buddy before the rooster crows twice today you will have denied me three times and Peter denied it in front of everybody I'll never deny you if I have to go if I have to lay my life down Lord I'll never deny you Less than an hour later, he had done it. And by the time the, the rooster crowed twice, he'd done it three times. You can imagine, he went out, the Bible says he went, he went out and wept bitterly. And I've, and anybody else know what bitter crying is about? I've wept bitterly. I know the difference between weeping and weeping bitterly. And that's what he did. He knew that he had messed up bad. He knew it. And he went out and wept bitterly. Okay? But then Jesus made sure that when he came back, he told the ladies, go back to the room and you tell them that I am here and make sure that, you know, tell them I'm going up to Galilee and you meet them up there and make sure you tell Peter that he called him by name. Make sure you tell Peter because he knew that Peter was struggling. Okay. Let me tell you this in conclusion. The same evil spirit that tempted Judas to hang himself is the same spirit that tempted Peter to do the same because they both denied Jesus. The one man, Jesus, Judas, took the 30 pieces of silver and threw it on the floor and went out. Okay, He knew he had done wrong. What did he do? He went out and hanged himself. The devil sat on his shoulder and said, see, there's no hope for you. You're done. You're done. And he believed it and hung himself. And that's what happened to Judas. The same, you can be sure, the same spirit sat on Peter's shoulder the minute he denied Jesus the third time and said the same things to him. 
God's done with you too. You're not worthy to be used by God. You need to just go kill yourself. But thank God he didn't do it. Okay? He had enough sense to see the bigger picture. And he received his forgiveness and became one of the pillars of the church. Okay? When there was a time when he couldn't, he, he didn't know which end was up. But praise the Lord. Manage your heart. Learn to love people the way God loves them. Learn to move beyond like and walk in love. Like I said earlier in the message, I'm not commanded to like you. You don't have to like me. I don't have to like you. But I'm commanded to love you and you're commanded to love me. And that's not a feeling. I see the value in you. I see that God sees the value in you. And you're precious to God. So that's how I need to discipline my eyes to see you like he sees you. By doing that, I can put up with you and you can put up with me because we're all at different levels of spiritual growth. Some people are more mature than others, but we have to adjust and be able to flow with everybody so that we all get along. Amen? Amen. That's the key. Because what did Jesus say? A new commandment. Remember, we talked about commandments today. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. There's the litmus test. That's the template. As I have loved you. And then he says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So you got to manage your heart. Okay? Do those seven things and you become an instant member of God's congregation of the mighty. You become a player and not a spectator. You're no longer a critic, a commentator. You're an active participant in the work of the gospel. You raise your game to a higher level. You'll lose a bunch of friends along the way, but you'll also pick up a bunch of friends along the way that will help you go to a higher level in Christ. And when you stand before the Lord someday, you're going to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. You need to see yourself the way God sees you. Tonight, I want you to walk away from this service looking at yourself and understanding yourself and seeing yourself differently. Okay? We're nothing without Jesus. Do you understand that? We are what we are by the grace of God. We are nothing without Him. But in Him, we are something. That's how He sees us. So if that's how He sees us, then that's how we need to see ourselves. You need to look in the mirror and understand, I am somebody special. Because God made me special. I didn't make myself special. I'm the righteousness of God, but it's His righteousness, not mine. I didn't earn this. What I, what I earned was an eternity in hell. That's what I earned with my sins. But He paid for my sins because He sees the value in me. And He sees the value in you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I want you just right now. Okay, I don't know your life. I mean... You're living it. It's you. All the priorities in your life, wherever you are along the way, you could be in your early 20s, teens, 30s, 40s, wherever you may be, there's time to make the changes. Time is running out, but tonight there's time to make the change. Okay? God wants this church 
to be full of players, bringing people to a place of excellence in Christ and expectation that every time we gather together, there's miracle power available, like what Jesus told those Pharisees way back when. He said, if you don't believe me for the message, look at the works. Look at the works. This is a place where the miracle power of God should be in manifestation, not just through Pastor Mike and Kathy, but through each and every one of us. When we leave this place and go home or go to work tomorrow, wherever we go, that's where God goes in you. Thank you, Jesus. Now I'm going to put my hands on your hands. Anybody who's game for this, stand up. Now, if you're not game for this, just stay seated. There's no condemnation. Okay, if you're not ready, fine. That's okay. But if you are ready, then I'm going to put my hands on your hands. Okay, that's what God just told me to do. I just came expecting him to move, and the way he wants to work is completely up to him. That's what we're going to do. When that happens, there will be an impartation to you. And when that happens to you, then you take your hands and you take your hands and put them on the people that God leads across your path. Your pastor's not going to be there. You're going to be there. Wherever you go and he'll make it plain to you. He'll send people into your life. You'll know it when you encounter it. Okay? And what you need to do is just let them know, I'm here to help you. Can I pray with you? And when you do, you take them by the hand and you pray. You make contact with their hands. Hands are important. Hands are conduits. Okay? Hands are conduits. They pass power from one to another. Okay? That's one of the basic principles of the church, that people lay hands on the sick and they recover. That's one of the principles, and everybody here has hands. So you're qualified. Okay? So if that's you, and you're standing, and that's what you want, then I want you to make your way up to the front. Maybe we can come along the sides and then come down the front. Gentlemen, we can move this, please. Thank you so much. Okay? Why don't you go to the sides, go along that way, and then when you're done, you can go back to your seat through the center aisle. We'll kind of organize it that way. Okay? Now, when... Okay, I'll wait till everybody kind of lines up. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. All right. Well, this looks like everybody. Wow. Okay. That's all right. Look at your hands. Everybody look at your hands. These are important. They're not just paddles at the end of your wrist. These are conduits. God, now, God chose to say what he said. He said, I want you to lay hands on the sick. He could have said, you know, I want you to give them a hug. Or I want you to, you know, bump shoulders. He could have done it any way he wants, but he said, hands are what I'm wanting to use. And that's yours and mine. Okay? And I had hands laid upon me 40 years ago, and I still carry that anointing, and now I pass it on. Wherever you go, your hands go with you. Okay? When I lay hands on you, there will be people standing behind you. Don't be concerned about falling. Just let the power of God do its work in you. If you stand, fine. If you fall, that's fine too. You don't get it because you fell and you don't not get it because you stand. You get it because your faith receives it. Okay? I'm not going to belabor the point. Okay? You may feel something. Many people do. 
If you do, that's good. If you don't, that's still good. It's not the feeling, but if you feel it, you'll understand what's going on. Power passes. It's just like when you insert the socket or the, the plug into the socket, there's a connection made. And when there's a connection made, the power transfers from what's in the socket, through the socket, to the plug, to the utensil that the plug is connected to. Okay? And that's what you're going to carry with you wherever you go from this night forward. Because I believe that this church is going to grow to such a point you're going to have to go to multiple services. That's right. This building will not be able to contain everybody that shows up for one service. Okay? Why? Because of the miracles. What Jesus said. If you don't believe me for what I say, believe me for the works that confirm what I have said. And in this church, we believe for the miracle power of God. That's our calling card. Okay? That's our calling card. All right? So as I minister to you, and if you know, if you are not on the floor, and that's fine if you are, take your time, you relax and enjoy the moment. But if you don't need to be there, then after I lay hands upon you, step back and let others fill your spot so we can move along and uh, do this in an expeditious way. All right? Close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this moment. I believe this is a turning point in this church. I believe this is a clarion moment where your power takes this church to a higher level. And I am honored to be a part of this. I want to thank you, Lord, for your power that works through my hands to the people standing in this line so that when we are finished with this service, we leave different than when we came in. And we understand ourselves differently than when we showed up here tonight. In Jesus' name. That we take this anointing and use it everywhere we go. In the name of Jesus. Alright? Thank you, Father. Jesus' name. Let that power flow. There it is. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Let that power flow. There it is. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Let that power flow in Jesus' name. That's it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Let that power flow in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, honey. Let me have your hands. In Jesus' name, let that power flow. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, let that power flow. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Brother, let that power flow in the name of the Lord Jesus. The power flow in your hands. Young man, receive that power in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. My daughter, receive that power in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Take that power, Courtney, in the name of Jesus. Receive that. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Brad, in the name of Jesus, let that power flow in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, let that power flow. There she is. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Take that power in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, receive that power. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, take that power, receive it, and use it in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, receive that anointing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you've already been ministered to, then pray quietly and silently in tongues or pray in your understanding, but don't check out. Okay? Don't check out. You'll grieve the Holy Ghost. We don't want that to happen. Amen. In the name of Jesus, receive that anointing. In Jesus' name. The hands. The hands, the hands in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. 
Nancy, the hands, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. All right, Aiden, in the name of Jesus, the hands. There they are, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. William, the hands. Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Riley, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Jesus' name. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hands are important in Jesus' name. Praise God. In the name of Jesus. Hands. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. In the name of Jesus. Let these hands be power, power tools. In Jesus' name for the Lord. Power tools. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Power power in Jesus name glory to God thank you father in the name of Jesus thank you father in Jesus name praise God praise God praise God thank you Lord thank you father in the name of Jesus glory to God praise the Lord thank you father keep your mind focused on the Lord folks don't don't drift away thank you father in Jesus name receive that power there she is in the name of Jesus hallelujah Hands, praise the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, thank you. Hands, precious hands, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, receive that power. In the name of Jesus. That's it, in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. In the name of Jesus, there she is. In Jesus' name, praise God. In Jesus' name, receive that power. Glory to God. That's it. That's it. Praise the Lord. That's it. In the name of Jesus. Receive that power in the name of Jesus. Hands. Very important. Hands, brother, in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Caleb, in the name of Jesus. There's that power in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Jesus' name. Receive that power. Receive that power. Receive that power in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Hands in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hands in the name of Jesus. And healing here in the name of Jesus as well. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hands in Jesus' name. Let that anointing flow. There she goes. In the name of Jesus. That's it. Praise God. In the name of Jesus, young man, hands. Hands, hands. Praise the Lord. I see you kids in school laying hands on people. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Jesus' name. Let those hands be full of God's power. In the name of Jesus. Hands. Thank you, Father. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Jesus. Precious hands in the name of Jesus. Be filled with that power in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. That power flow in your hands, my brother, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. There you go, Carl. That's it. Ooh. Oh, son. Ha. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Anyone else that I have missed? I know Drew needs to have that too. 
in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Receive that anointing. Thank you. Thank you. That's it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Watch him for a moment there. In the name of Jesus. Let that power flow, Brother Nate, in the name of Jesus. Receive that. That's it. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Come on down here, bro. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Receive that anointing. His hands in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Receive that anointing in Jesus' name. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. It's good. Praise the Lord. It's good. Hallelujah. Everybody close your eyes for just a minute. Clasp your hands together. This is what God is going to do with you. He's going to take these hands of yours and he's going to send you into the world and he's going to tell you to take these hands and put them on people that he loves, that he died for, that he wants to spend eternity with, and he's depending upon you. He's depending upon you to be there and available for him. Okay? Now, some people are going to reject. Some people will resist. And that's if don't, don't wear your feelings out on your shirt sleeves. Just walk away. You, you did what God told you to do. You offered. And if they refuse, just walk away. Don't take it personal. That's their choice. They'll answer to God for that. But you make yourself available and let God use you. And this anointing in you will increase. And as I said, this church is going to come to a place where you need a second service to manage the people that are coming here. Because this community needs to know what we know. And the way they do that is by coming into contact with the power of God. That opens a door. People don't realize that they've been deceived but when they come into contact with the power of God, it opens the door. And then they're open to hear the truth. Whereas before, they weren't. Alright? So that's what we're talking about here this evening. In the name of Jesus. Alright? This is July, what is this, 23? 23, 23. 7, 23, 23. Okay? Praise the Lord. Mark it down. Okay? Praise the Lord. You became more of a player than you've ever been because now you see yourself the way God sees you, not the way you see yourself or the way other people see you. You see yourself now the way God sees you. Amen. So don't talk down to yourself. Don't criticize yourself. Don't belittle yourself. Okay? And don't let other people do it either. You simply tell them, you know, I don't receive that. I know who I am in Christ. And just walk away. Okay? You... Walk in the light of who you are as far as God is concerned and nobody else. Amen. Praise the Lord. Did this help anybody tonight? Food to think about. The congregation of the mighty. That's the congregation I want to be a part of. That's the congregation you should be a part of. You are. Just act like it, think like it, and talk like it, and praise the Lord. Everything will be just fine. Amen. Praise God. All right, Pastor. Amen. Say, I've received an impartation. Amen. Go ahead and be seated for a minute. We want to bless Apostle Mike and his ministry.
So uh, if you need an envelope for your giving, you should look in front. There should be one there on the back of a chair. Make your checks payable to Harvest Church. We give every penny. Say every penny. And that's we've always done that. It's our policy. We give every penny to our, our guest ministers. So Apostle Mike will receive all of, all the finances, and it will bless their ministry. I want to thank the Weir family for being so available and so gracious. What a gift. Amen. What two fine young men, young boys, growing up to be fine men, a young man. Amen. See that clock back there? Daughter-in-law ordered that, so I don't preach too long. I don't think that's ever been my... Who knows? When you have two services, though, you got to keep the wheels rolling. You know, there's the, the scripture about there was great joy in a specific city because they saw all the miracles. So when you're experiencing miracles, there's great joy. Amen. I don't know how much product's left that bless the wears and, and buy their CD and whatever Mike has left. If you need a t-shirt and that, that is a fundraiser for their organization and then the books. Amen. Anything else? God bless you for making this a priority today. Have a great week.